Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcast. Welcome back to And the EGOT Goes To, a breakdown and predictions podcast for the major U.S.-based award shows. Today, we discuss the past few months in addition to starting our abbreviated Emmys coverage. I'm your host, Spencer, and with me is our host for the Emmys portion and member of our Tony's panel, JT. Hi! How are you, Spencer? I'm great, JT. Are you excited for today? I am. It's going to be fantastic. I'm super excited. The strike kind of did some stuff to us, but we're here now. And now the Emmy Awards is going to be split into three parts with two creative art ceremonies and the telecast ceremony. Each of the creative art ceremonies has 49 categories with the telecast having 25. Now, both of us being much more experienced with the Tony Awards, this has a lot of categories. Um, and due to the WGA and sag strikes, we aren't going to do our normal 10-episode coverage of the 2023 Emmy Awards, but we still wanted to do something. So we decided to do this sort of abbreviated coverage that will allow us to still discuss the incredible television work that was done this past year. So we're going to split our coverage into two episodes instead of the standard 10. So we're going to have one episode where we'll do all the creative art stuff like guest actor in a comedy series or guest actress in a drama series. And then we'll have another episode where we'll discuss everything you'll see on the telecast like best drama and best leading actor in a comedy series. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Now, JT, there has been a strike um, going on, uh, both with WGA and with SAG-AFTRA. The Emmys were delayed, um, but I know I'm really excited to get to talk about some of this television work. Same. I mentioned this in the Tony's podcast, but I have made it a thing starting this year to watch every new show that debuts, at least the first episode of every new show that debuts. So there have been some shows that I've stuck with and watched the whole thing. There are some shows that have, that I've liked that have spawned me to go watch a bunch of other shows. Um, But I have at least watched the first episode of every single show that we're going to talk about today. Um, so I am super excited and the strike kind of gave me a second to catch up because I was getting real caught up. I got caught up in White Lotus Land. I got caught up in Emily in Paris Land. Uh, of course, I got caught up in the Crown Land. So I went back and like was watching old seasons. And then the next thing I know, after two weeks of watching, you know, an old season of a show, there's like 15 shows that debuted that week. And so now I have 15 hours of television to watch. So I got a little behind and the strike helped me catch up a little bit. I, it is, as we recorded this podcast, it is Sunday, December 10th. And I have watched all of my shows up until November 13th. So I'm about a month behind of first episodes, (laughs) but we're good because None of those shows that I have to watch are nominated because they're going to be in next season's Emmys, not this season. <laughs> so we're fine. So we have a lot of shows this year that also ended. Uh, yeah. You have Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. You have Succession. Um, you have Ted Lasso, which ending, we don't know. 
they're being really ambiguous about it. Um, and, and so it, the crown also, although it's last season will be in next season's Emmys is, is ending this year. So, so a lot of, uh, finales to some, some really, really fantastic shows. Now you have not finished succession. Have you? I have not. So I am not on the succession chain and miraculously, I have avoided all succession spoilers and I have watched a single episode. So I'm excited. Succession has now moved its way up my list because so many people are talking about it. I'm excited to jump on the succession train. And I think I'm going to do a series on TikTok of me watching succession for the first time. Now, both of us are mainly theater people. Yeah. Um, and to talk about succession from a theatrical point of view, most of the actors come from the theater world. The 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 creator and showrunner comes from the, the playwriting world. And so it and and we're seeing that a lot in television drama. A lot of playwrights, it's not a new thing, but a lot of playwrights going to TV to make their money and then being able to write their plays. Um and and you know live a, a normal you know yeah, life you go work in tv to make money so that way you can go be broke working in the field that you love which is theater <laughs> um, and, and you'll see that we actually have um and we'll, we'll talk about this as we get in um there are some some actors who are nominated here who are going to be on uh on stage and possibly nominated for the Tonys this year. And so uh, we'll, we'll be talking about that as well. Um, and we'll be back also with coverage of the Grammys this year. And we'll be back again with our same Tonys panel. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, we're not gonna discuss every category. As we said, there are 49 in each of the creative arts categories. So we have hand selected the categories that we find um, most interesting and think that we have the most opinions on and also that we think will be the most competitive. So we're going to start by discussing the categories that are going to be awarded in the first of two creative arts ceremonies, uh, which will be taking place on January 6th. JT, do you want to start us off with that first category? So our first category is Outstanding Contemporary Costumes for a Series. The nominees are Emily Ann Paris, The Last of Us, Only Murders in the Building, Succession, Wednesday, and The White Lotus. What are your opinions on this? Uh, we, we have a document, by the way, to give some context that has both of our predictions on it. Um, sometimes they are the same, sometimes they are different. Um, I chose Succession due to the fact that I think the costuming in Succession is actually rather genius, um, especially when you're talking about the luxury clothing that you have, but also talk about the different levels of luxury clothing, of whether it's uh, a character like Roman, who whose amount of luxury is very uh, reserved or whether it's a character like Tom, um, who whose luxury is very like outward, and he's shouting that he he's he's kind of rich. Um, I think that that's just a really genius way of doing costuming, which is why Succession is my choice. But you feel differently. 
Yeah, so my choice is The Last of Us um, for two reasons. One, I'm going to be a Last of Us stand until the day that I die. And number two, the accuracy of the video game to the television show and the progression of the their clothes getting worse and worse throughout the their journey um is really great to me uh i'm a huge adaptation uh accuracy person if you will at a aa person um and so the fact that the costumes are very one to one everything from our leads all the way down to characters you meet for 30 seconds in in the in the game that you only see for 30 seconds in the TV show um is fantastic. So I definitely think that Last of Us has a chance of getting this, but I do want to give an honorable mention to Only Murders in the Building. Um it's giving Broadway show, it's giving theater, it's giving extra and I think they may have a little bit of a chance too. Well, when you're talking specifically contemporary costuming as well, we talk about this in the theater because so many shows, that's what their costuming is um, because so many shows take, pl- we don't have a lot of like period musicals anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but to have, you know, like a contemporary, like Hell's Kitchen, for example, the new Alicia Keys musical that you'll hear more about in our Tony's coverage um, the the contemporary costuming is just wonderful, and I think it's something that's incredibly difficult to do because at the end of the day, it just needs to seem like what these characters are wearing on a normal day. Yeah, and it's it's super easy for a costume designer to just send their associate costume designers or their assistants to Macy's and tell them I need this color top in this style. It's so easy to do that, but they're not doing that. They're sitting down and thinking exactly what this character would wear in this moment on this day, in this time period, because they have this social economic status and because they have, you know, like there's all these details that go into it. And that just is a tend to the writers in the writer's room and the directors and the showrunners sitting down and taking their time and realizing that costume is a huge part of a television. I mean, it really is. But when you have a show like Succession, where you're living with these characters for four years, um, I always talk about my favorite television show of all time, The West Wing, um, which was on for seven seasons. And you live when you live with characters for that long, And you could say that about any long-running TV show that takes place in the modern time period. Uh, You really get to know the characters. And I think the wardrobe is a large part of that. And so this is a category that's incredibly important, um, which is also why we started with it. Our next category uh, is Outstanding Guest Actor in a Comedy Series. We have Anne Bernthal for The Bear, Luke Kirby for The Marvelous, Mrs. Maisel, Nathan Lane for Only Murders in the Building, Pedro Pascal for Saturday Night Live, Oliver Platt for The Bear, and Sam Richardson for Ted Lasso. JT, you said Pedro Pascal. I did. Uh, Again, 
<laughs> I am going to be a um uh Pedro Pascal Last of Us adjacent uh stan. But I do feel that was a very good episode for me. I I don't normally watch SNL like that. Every I'll like watch like sketches that are like on Instagram or you know what I'm saying, or posted on yeah. YouTube or something. But I haven't watched a full episode until until he was on. It was a minute. Um, but I watched his full episode. I enjoyed myself. Um, I think he is very funny. And SNL deserves all the love. But yeah, SNL does has always done great stuff. I mean, they're about to enter their 50th season. But, but yeah, I, I'm not sure whether I would qualify SNL hosting in this same category, just like in general. Right. Um, I, I My vote is for Sam Richardson, who played Edwin Akufu in Ted Lasso. I thought the work that he did in that show was just so funny. Um, and I think it deserves... Um, so some some praise as well you know nathan lane there's nathan lane is incredible at everything i mean if you watch the gilded age mm-hmm. um he's just doing like the most the most work ever with we his accent to, right. like the most ambiguous accent ever <laughs> and it's yet so fantastic and so nathan lane um is just king and i would not be unhappy if he won we need to do a crossover episode. I know you guys would love to hear about the crossover between TV and theater when it comes to the show, the show, The Gilded Age. There are so many theater actors on that show. And there was like an article I read recently about why that's a thing. And it's so interesting. And I think we should do a spinoff, one-off spinoff episode about it, Spencer. Just a suggestion. Yeah, I mean, I love the Gilded Age. Uh, it, but it's such again talking about costuming, just the costumes in that show are beautiful. Um, right. We have, we have outstanding guest actor in a drama series. Uh, we have Murray Bartlett for The Last of Us, James Cromwell for Succession, Lamar Johnson for The Last of Us, Arian Moyad for Succession, Nick Offerman for The Last of Us, and. I'm going to say this wrong. Kevin Montral. Uh, I said Arya Moyad because he's just incredible at succession. Um, also was on Broadway this past season in A Doll's House. Um, just so incredible. I- I'd really love to see him win. JT, you felt differently. Yeah, so Nick Offerman acted his balls off <laughs> in his see uh his like episode and a half on uh the last of us um it was a he played a character that's not in the video games a new character um i'm not gonna spoil anything for those who have not seen it yet but his character has so much depth and his character comes out of nowhere and only has like an episode and a half arc that but you want more of him there it's very difficult for an actor to come on to a such a popular show that has such a cult following that has a clear beginning and we know where the show is going because we played the game before um or at least we think we know where the show is going and for this random character to come on to the show and give us this story that we're like 
wait, what? And it'd be in a good way. You know, um, he did a fantastic job. And I I wanted so much more of him. Nick Offerman is incredibly talented. Um, and as are is everyone. I, we're going to keep saying that, but everyone is talented. Um, and yeah, I, I have not watched the last seasons yet. Last yeah. of- and to correct myself, his character, I say on quote, was in the video game, but was different than the character on the show and was not a character that I would expect to be on the show because the, the Last of Us stands are going to come for me if I don't clarify that. The character was in the game, technically, but very different person. <laughs> JT, do you want to um, talk about our next category? It's our yeah. first agreement. Yes. Outstanding guest actress in a comedy series. We have Becky Ann Baker for Ted Lasso. Quinta Brunson for Saturday Night Live. Taraji P. Henson for Abbott Elementary. Judith Light for Poker Face. Sarah Niles for Ted Lasso. And Harriet Walter for Ted Lasso. So for this category, I was... I don't want to say I was on the fence. There were a couple front runners for me. Uh, when I say front runners, a couple, I mean two. That is uh, Judith Light in Poker Face because I just like Judith Light and I think that she's funny. Um, but we both agreed that Miss Taraji P. Henson for Abbott Elementary, she has been in everything that she's been doing. Well, first of all, I'm a fan and I can't say that she, she can't, she does no wrong, but cause there's some stuff that, that she was in that I was like, ma'am, what? <laughs> but lately the last couple things that she's done have been chef's kiss and Abbott elementary is one of them. Do you watch Abbott elementary Spencer? I do. I love Abbott elementary. She's so good. Um, and this is our first of two nominations for Harriet Walter, um, who who was both in Succession and in Ted Lasso, playing the, the mother. She was the mother in both. And so uh, it would also be really interesting to see if she won for one or both. Of them. I think that um, Taraji is on the come up. She... It'd be great to see her on Broadway one day. She said that she would like to do it, but she just doesn't think that she's ready or that she has this. Camera. Well, she's a producer. Yeah. On Jaja's. I would love to see her on stage. Um, she said that she would love to, but she doesn't know if she has, she doesn't think that she has the stamina or the energy. Girl, you could do Saturday and Wednesday matinees <laughs> and I'll be okay. And I will make sure I will fit into my schedule. <laughs> Not Taraji on Broadway as a standby. <laughs> Our next category is the outstanding guest actress in a drama series. Our categories are Hayam Abbas for Succession, Cherry Jones for Succession, Melanie Linsky for The Last of Us, Storm Reed for The Last of Us, Anna Tove for The Last of Us and Harriet Walter for Succession. Spencer, you said Harriet Walter. You know, she's not in the season a lot, which I guess 
puts the word guest and guest actress. Um, but the the work that she did in this season was just truly incredible. Um, and I'd love to see her get the win there. Now, you said The Last of Us. Yeah, so I said Storm Reed for The Last of Us. Um, I am newly introduced to Storm Reed. She's young. She hasn't been on the scene for long, but she's done more stuff that I wasn't aware of in the past. Um, so she's been on a lot of people's radar for a while. Um, I saw her in uh, that horror, the thriller um, with Neil Long. Do you remember? I forget what it was called. What was that thriller called? Where she was missing. Anyway, I saw her in that. And then that put me on a radar when I, and then I saw her again in Last of Us. And I was like, oh, she is really good. Um, And again, it's a guest role. And there's something about the way that she is a way that she delivers negative quote unquote negative emotions um like anger sadness frustration things like that there's something about her performances that makes you like not feel sympathy but be like but well, I don't care if she's right or wrong I want things to work out for her <laughs> like she yeah. it's the same way in um I think it's the movie's called missing um it's just she's the same way in that like no matter whether she's right or wrong um, just the way that she performs it just makes you like feel for her. Um, and she's against some strong contenders here, but she 100% deserves this one. Hey there, listeners. When the panel takes a quick intermission, I wanted to tell you about another Bloop Network podcast. Coming soon to the Bloop Network from the producers of Thrash and Treasure, Around the World in 80 Plays, starring the adorable Lizzie B and Alfie Parker, and featuring the star of the show, Dolly the Dog, they'll take you for a trip around the UK, exploring the rich arts and cultural history of the UK and Northern Ireland. Episodes begin airing exclusively to the Bloop Network on November 14th, but here is a sneak peek. us as we tour around the world in 80 plays. I am Lizzie B. And I'm Alfie Parker. And we are joined by our leading lady, co-host, travel buddy and fur baby, Dolly the Dog. For this week's very first episode, we're starting at Southend for five days on the first stop of the Sister Act UK tour. In this series, we're going to be exploring UK and Northern Ireland's wonderful arts history and culture as we make our way from city to city with Sister Act. But first, we should probably start off by telling our listeners a little bit about who we are. We thought it would be more fun to kind of do this through a little game. So last night when we were preparing for our first episode, we secretly went and wrote five questions to ask each other to find some random facts about each other that maybe we don't even know. We should probably say that we are a couple. 
we are engaged, uh, me and Alfie, what a lucky man. We've been together for five years now and are working together, which would be some people's idea of hell, but we love it and we're in a great show and we're very lucky. So yeah, we move around the country with each other and with the best dog ever, Dolly. But I think through these questions, we might actually find out some new information about each other. So, Alfie, do you want to ask the questions first? Let's do it. Here we go. Five? Yeah, five questions. Five questions. Five right, well. Here we go. Your favourite flavour of crisp? Do you know what? I'm going to say salt and vinegar because I would normally say like sour cream and chive, something like that. But... I'm really in a salt and vinegar phase at the moment. The ones that hurt your mouth. The ones that burn. Yeah, the ones that burn. That's what I like when I eat a crisp. Nice. Question two. What are two things on your bucket list? That is such a good question. My questions are rubbish compared to me. (laughs) I'm going to say skydiving, but I think you already knew that because I'm an absolute adrenaline junkie and I would love to do that and going to South America, which I think you already know as well. Alfie and I are very, (laughs) like, finance conscious, I would say, and we're actually really rubbish at treating ourselves. But I've decided that saving up to go to South America, not even with Alfie, but with my mum, is kind of the next big thing that I'd love to do. So that's probably, yeah, my main thing I would love to do. Okay. If your life was a song, what would it be called? Why are these questions so good? That's not the answer. My questions are going to be really disappointing after this. I think it would be called... This is going to be such a cheesy answer, right? Something like, I never thought I'd actually do it. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it would be kind of referring to, like, I have achieved so much that I have always wanted to, but I never actually thought I'd get to do it. That's, yeah, it's nice. So. Hey, good answer. There we go. What does not belong on a pizza? Pineapple. You see, I disagree. <laughs> I mean, I've only, I have, I only ever had it about twice. Pineapple on a pizza is great. The thing is, though, you know I'm not the biggest fan of, like, fruit with... In general. <laughs> <laughs> No, that actual burn of it all, though. Fruit in general, you're actually so mean. No, fruit with, like, savoury foods. Like, I don't really do, like... You know how some people are really into, like, raisins and stuff? I just can't bear it. Yeah, yeah. So, pineapple, no, that's sacrilege. Right, was that your questions? Oh, I've got one more. Oh, God. Okay, here we go. What did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I feel like it changed quite a few times in my life. So, as a kid, definitely pop star was top of the list. But then I actually still have PTSD from this time when at primary school I was sitting with my friends and we were designing costumes we were going to wear to be pop stars and then I drew a picture of me in a denim crop top and the girl sat next to me went that's not a crop top it's a bikini from Marks and Spencers and you can't wear it to be a pop star and at the time it was like the meanest thing someone had ever said to me and I still have PTSD so that was the day that that dream died then I felt like pop star was like top of the list but I actually in a sensible way wanted to be a news reader so that's what I thought I would actually end up doing and then becoming an actor was just mistake a mistake (laughs) what have I done (laughs) no I'm like really happy but I think I was trying to be like realistic but now I'm actually doing the best job ever yeah cool so my questions are so 
rubbish compared to what you've just asked me. It's literally like a five-year-old's written them. Normally, I'm the rubbish one, so that's that makes sense. Alfie's making a really good impression in the first episode, and I'm just letting everyone know. First down. impressions are important. You'll notice as we go on that I get progressively more rubbish. Yeah, to be fair, the only way is up for me, and the only way is down for you, so it's fine. <laughs> right, here we go. And now, back to And the EGOT Goes To. Now, we've gotten to more costuming. Outstanding period costumes for a series. You have the crown, the great, marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Harry Mason, and Queen Charlotte of Bridgerton story. Now, what I will say is neither of us said the crown, but I would like to make a case for it. Okay. The amount of clothing replication that they are doing in terms of like specific outfits from specific historical moments Mm-hmm. Um, it is really cool and is really well done. And so I would like to make a case for the crown because I think that the specific like replicating historical outfits is, is really and, and they've been doing it to a T. And the crown is the show about Princess Diana, right? The queen, but Princess Diana is in it. Yes. Same thing. <laughs> What when, when, when it comes to British politics, it's all the same thing. <laughs> I said The Great, which uh, is a great television show. In fact, you can see Elle Fanning, star of The Great, right now on Broadway, inappropriate through March 7th. Um, but yeah, I, I love The Great. I think it's a fantastic television show um, and the costume. And you said Bridgerton. Yes. Which makes sense. Also has beautiful costumes. Yes. Um, that was probably Bridgerton, I am hoping gets costumes and uh score. The choice of music, the reworking of popular songs that were re there's a word, your music person sponsor. What is the word? Um, not reorchestrated. Um uh- they were arranged. Rearranged. That's what I'm looking for. The way that these contemporary songs, there's like 10, like when I say contemporary, I mean like top 40 this year songs that they were able to rearrange to fit not only the story, but of course the style of the show. I'm not going to go on a music tangent right now, but holy shit. And the costumes are so good i am obsessed they're uh with both of the characters uh both versions of charlotte have the same feel even though she has grown as a person it's played by two different actresses like the it still feels like queen charlotte and it's just it's so good it's just so good i love time jump shows where it doesn't feel like the person jumped into another world or another decade until everything about them is the same. Her style is still the same and all the characters' styles are the same. And it's weird to have an individual... I want to say weird, but it's uh, it's unique to have uh, your own individual style in a world and a time period where everyone wore the same style. You know, because I feel like 
everyone having being unique and wearing different types of clothing is a very modern thing because in the 1800s every woman dressed the same every man dressed the same and if you didn't dress like that it's because you were poor you know and like that was a, a level of um a level of status and so for her to have her own style even in that is super cool to me so that's why i think the costumes uh gonna go to bridgerton yeah, and to go back to what you said about the music in Bridgerton, I think it's so interesting, everyone talking about, like, the, the string arrangements of pop songs as if it's, like, this new thing. Um, <laughs> because, like, it's been happening for 30 years. Like, it, it's such a well-known, like, thing. And I don't know. I just think it's so interesting that people are acting like it's this new, newfangled uh, invention. You know what I think it is? I think that it's that it's the it's the songs that are being used are songs that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Like like Drop It Like It's Hot by Snoop Dogg is not supposed to be a string arrangement. What do you mean? <laughs> so I think it's just like songs you don't, you know, that you're not you know, it's not like, like, I would expect like a love song, like a Michael Jackson that love ballad, of course, one day will be played by just cellos and violas. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I think it's just really interesting. Our next category is one of my favorites, one of the ones I'm most excited about, and that is Outstanding Television Movie. The nominees are Dolly Parton's Mountain Magic Christmas, Fire Island, Hocus Pocus 2, Prey, and the Owl and Weird, the Al Yankovic story. You said you think it's gonna go to Weird. Yes, I think Weird is one of the best biopics ever. Um, Daniel Radcliffe. Also, currently on Broadway, you can catch him in Merrily Roll on my favorite show of the season so far. Um, is just it's just so well done. The cameos, the cat, like it, it's the perfect biopic, and I really hope it wins. I I'm fine with the rest of these, but like Weird was just so well done. So I didn't get to see it in full i watched plenty of clips because like the week it came out it was all over tiktok um but i loved fire island i think that there's a lot of breakout stars in fire island um i feel like fire island did something um that is interesting and cool and that's why putting a not a bunch but but giving cameos and full scenes to uh tiktokers and social media stars um which is like you know taking a chance on them uh even though their acting may not have been great um i think that it was a story that needed to be told i think that it was funny um i think that it has a chance um especially in a world where we're seeing more queer and POC stories being told, I feel like it has a chance. Being not necessarily being just being told, but being appreciated. I'll put it that way. Yeah. 
Well, and that is our first creative arts ceremony that you can watch all those categories being awarded on January 6th at the first creative arts ceremony. Now, we'd like to wish everyone happy holidays from the And That You Got Goes To team, as well as from our team at Bloop Network. You can listen to our other shows, Thrashing Treasure, Around the World in 80 Plays, and my newest show, Opening Doors, Navigating the Future of the Theater Industry, uh, when we're talking to young theater professionals about the future of the theater industry. Um, you can find me on all social media at JT Does NYC. And maybe by our next episode, I'll have a special announcement about a new podcast. I'll just leave that with you for now. I'm excited. I'm also excited to announce that I'm producing my first ever show at 54 Below in New York City. On July 23rd. I'm really excited about it. You can buy tickets to that at 54below.org. Um, and you can, uh, that's on July 23rd. It's called 54 Sings Wolfpack, where we we're singing the music of the funk group Wolfpack. I'm really excited about it. You can also catch the And the EGOT Goes to Tony's panel at BroadwayCon this year from July 26th to 28th. We'll be at a panel talking about the Tony Awards season that has just passed. So the season that we're currently in. I'm so excited about all the things that are coming for us this year. It's just, it's really exciting. I'm so excited for Broadway. God, I had such a good time last year. I'm so excited. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to us. And we'll see you guys next time. Okay. Like that.